do you ever feel like you don't don't have enough? Or even like you are not enough? Uh, not enough time. Yep, I feel like that sometimes. Not enough money. Uh, not enough skills. Not enough ninja skills. Uh, not enough friends. Um, not enough guitars. <laughs> it's just me. Um, there, there's like a con- there's a constant pressure in our in our society uh, to be to be enough in yourself, to be enough, to be successful, to win. Uh, all blacks and black caps, please, uh, to win, to achieve, you know, to to retire, to eventually retire, and then and then when you die, that everybody remembers you fondly. Um, not that you really care once you're dead, but anyway. Uh, and, and there's and I think that in our culture, there's there's a there's a temptation or maybe a, an, an allure or a drive to be to be like to be like Superman or or Wonder Woman, you know, uh, to get to get what needs to be done, to do what needs to be done. And you can do it all. You can do it all yourself. This is sort of like this is sort of like a bit, bit of a bit of a mixture, a bit of a um, uh, you know like a river that we're we're sort of like swimming in. And sometimes we might we might bring that kind of thinking into our walk with God. But instead, God actually in, invites us into a, into an amazing partnership that's full of freedom, full of promise, and full of potential. So we'd we'd be doing this series uh, uh, through through Luke. Uh, gradually meandering through the Gospel of Luke that um, I've roughly titled Walk, Walk the Walk. And today we're diving into Luke chapter 9. And every, I think every week when we, when we preach from a, a chapter in Luke, we always say the same thing. Each chapter is full of amazing stories about Jesus, about what he says and what he does and, and the people that he's interacting with. They're wonderful stories. And chapter 9 is, is no exception. It's such a brilliant chapter, and it's always quite hard when you come to uh, come to bring a message from a chapter like this, where you go, "Oh, you can't cover it all. You have to leave every, you have to leave a lot of it out." And I and I hope that uh, that you will spend some time reading through it yourself. So read through chapter nine, and see what the Lord highlights to you. See what He speaks to you, chapter nine. The chapter begins with with Jesus sending out His twelve closest followers. Uh, the 12 disciples, or I'll, I'll call them later the Gang of 12, because it's got a kind of a nice ring to it, the Gang of 12. And, and he sends them out on a mission to go throughout the region. I mean, Jesus, at this point, he's been, he's been healing people. He's been setting people free from demons. He's been restoring people, and he's been talking about and demonstrating the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God has arrived in him. And so he gets the gang, he gets the Gang of 12 together, and it's like, he said, it's like he's saying, you've seen me do it, now you go do it. This is what it says, chapter, chapter 9, verse 1. Chapter 9, verse 1. It says, Jesus gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure disease and to go and proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal, which is what he's been doing. But this is, this is an impossible mission. This is mission impossible. This stuff isn't possible, right? Unless you are empowered by God. Healing people, setting people free from demons, it, it simply isn't possible. Even demonstrating the kingdom of God, it isn't possible unless, you, unless you're going with God, empowered by God. And so today I want to uh, like focus in on, on two stories in Luke chapter 9, this brilliant chapter that's got a lot in it. 
but I'm going to focus on two stories that, that kind of bring this out. They, they sort of flesh this out. And there are two stories about, about two children, two boys, actually, uh, which is really cool. Last week when Tessa spoke, she spoke about a woman and, uh, and, and how Jesus uh, um, uh, like, like drew, drew women in, included women, uh, honored women, you know. And, and, in, and in this chapter, we have these, they have these two boys. In ancient Hebrew, Hebrew, Hebrew society, a, a boy became a man at the age of 13. All of a sudden, there's a whole lot of uh, people in here that thought they were boys, but they're actually men, because <laughs> you're over the, age of, over the age of 13. So I'm going to begin with the second story. This is in uh, Luke 9, 37. Yeah, there we go. Luke 9, 37 says this. The next day, after they had come down the mountain, a large crowd met Jesus. A man in the crowd called out to him, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, my only child. An evil spirit keeps seizing him, making him scream. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It batters him and hardly ever leaves him alone. I begged your disciples to cast out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. He's, he's desperate, isn't he? This is his son. It's his son. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty, freaky, pretty freaky story, pretty scary story. You know, it's a, really common, it's a really common fear that I think a lot of us feel, like to, to not be in control of your own body. Or when your body does things that you don't want it to. And this is what's happening. In this case, an, an evil spirit is taking control of the boy. And, it, and it's like the spirit is, is beating him up. It says it. It says it, it batters him. It's like it's beating him up. It's horrible. The spirit is abusing him. And so Jesus' disciples, this, this gang of 12 who've been sent out by Jesus, you know, to do this kind of thing, to set people free. And, they, and they've, they've prayed their very best prayers, but still the boy is not free. And the dad is desperate, and, and then Jesus, is, as Jesus arrives, and, and if you keep reading, it says simply that Jesus rebukes the spirit, heals the boy, and then if you read the old King James Version, it says he delivers the boy back to his dad, which I think is really interesting use of language. So he, the boy is set free from the demon, then delivered back to his dad. He's, he's given back to his dad. He's now living in freedom. And this is what Jesus does. He sets us free. He sets us free from the things that control us. It could be an evil spirit. It could be an addiction. It could be a destructive habit. It could be fear. Things that control us. We are not. We are not created to be under the control of other people or other things. We're not meant to be controlled by things, and Jesus doesn't control us. The Holy Spirit doesn't control us. Instead, he he sets us free to be in relationship with Him. There's a massive contrast between the way that the Holy Spirit works and the way that a, an evil spirit works. The Holy Spirit is holy. He's good. He's loving. He doesn't control. He sets us free. And so, in the, uh, in, the, in the disciples were confused by all of this. 
And if you read uh, the same story as in Matthew chapter 17, oh, I've got this. No, I don't have this. I wrote down on my notes, slide. Oh, I don't have it. Never mind. The same story is in Matthew 17. And they say to Jesus, they say, why couldn't we cast the evil spirit out? And Jesus tells them it's because of their, of their very little faith. He says, you only need faith like a grain of mustard seed, and you can do impossible things. He goes, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, which is very, very small, you can do impossible things like you can shift mountains. And he goes, you can say to this mountain over here, I shift over there. And, uh, you know, when I read this, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure if Jesus is talking about like literal mountains. He's looking at Mount Coco and he's going, get over there, Mount Coco. I'm going to rearrange the whole town or whatever. Or, if, or maybe he's talking more, more figuratively, like the mountains in our lives. And I think this is more likely because this is coming straight after the story of the, of the boy who's uh, oppressed by this evil spirit. Like mountains in our lives or mountains in the lives of his family, like things that are just uh, these impossible ob- obstacles. Mountains in our communities, uh, mountains of oppression or injustice or poverty, like significant mountains. The mountain for the boy and his dad was the evil spirit that was taking control of the boy. And so, and so in, in Matthew 17, Jesus, Jesus seems, to, seems to be saying, Jesus reckons that the, that the disciples didn't even have faith that was that small. Like their faith was smaller than the size of a mustard seed. As small, like their, their faith was so small. But if they did, if they did have faith that was as small as a mustard seed, or as big as a mustard seed. If they did, or if we did, then, then anything is possible. Impossible stuff becomes possible. And so the next, the next story of the boy, a boy, fleshes, fleshes this out a bit. And this, is, this story is amazing. This, is a, uh, this story is, uh, is told in all four Gospels. It's the only miracle, apart from Jesus' resurrection, that's told in all four Gospels. It's in Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, and John 6. And your Bible, if your Bible was the same, the same as mine, which is an NLT, it might have, have a heading like this, Jesus feeds 5,000, or something similar. And each of the Gospel accounts is really cool, actually, when you just like read the Gospel accounts of this one miracle, because they each kind of give slightly different, de- slightly different details. No, not, not like contrasting details. They're not uh, telling a different story. But, but slightly different, slightly different perspectives or bringing out different details about the story. And, and the background is like crowds of people have been following Jesus uh, because he's healing people. Crowds of people have been following because he's healing people. And there's this massive crowd of people who are listening to Jesus, but it's getting late in the day and the gang of 12, the disciples, you know, they're, they're probably introverts. They probably need a bit of alone time. And so they say, Jesus, Jesus, all these people getting hungry, send them off, right? They all made up that whole bit about introverts. Um, the disciples think that it's time for everybody to head off to go find food. Um, and there's a lot of people, five, you know, 5,000, and you don't want 5,000 hungry people because they might get hangry especially if any of them are aged two and a half. Two and a half-year-olds get very angry. 
Anyway, so, so the disciples think it's time for everybody to head off to find food, and, and this is what Jesus says. Oops, back, back, whoop, where are we? Okay, here we go, cool. Jesus says this. You feed them. <laughs> so they're in the middle of nowhere. 5,000, I'll come to it, but there's probably more than that. You feed them. And, they, and the disciples, the gang of 12, they go, mm, but we only have five loaves of fish, five loaves of bread. <laughs> we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there are about 5,000 men there. And, and this is a big group of people. 5,000 is, is a lot. I'm going to make this mountain even bigger, okay? And the other gospel accounts, we read that there's, that there's actually more than 5,000. There's 5,000 men, but there were also women and children. And, uh, and I looked up the great theologian of Google, Dr. Google, and some estimate, it, some estimate that it could have been 10,000 or even 20,000 people. I mean, 5,000 is a lot, but 10,000 is more. This mountain's getting bigger, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger. It's a mountain of hungry people. I don't know if that brings a kind of a weird image to mind, a mountain of people that are hungry. Anyway, it's a mountain of hungry people. And Jesus says, you feed them. It's like he expects the 12 disciples to feed them all. He is. You feed them. And you can imagine them looking at each other going, what the heck? What are you on about? How are we going to feed everybody? You know, this is in a remote place. There's nothing to eat here in this remote place. There's no pack and save. Our, our house, if you've been to our house, we live up in, uh, in Kotokoto and we overlook Petoni. And we can actually see the car park of pack and save. And it turns out that in, in Petoni, there's about 8,500 people. And I was thinking, I don't even know if that pack and save has enough food to feed all of the people in Petoni. I don't think so. So there's no way, there's no way the disciples can buy enough food for all these hungry people. But they have some bread and fish. I uh, got my uh, handy assistant. They have these two fish. I really, I really like what Elena did here. Need two hands, two fish. Rainbow trout. <laughs> Five loaves and two fish. As if we jump over, I told you there was a few different accounts of the same story. If you jump over to John chapter six, we find out something interesting. It turns out the bread and the fish were from a young boy. Remember, uh, a boy is uh, is someone who's a, a boy is a boy who's under the age of thirteen. It's from a young boy, and and you think about it. There's there's five thousand. There's more than five thousand. So we could say there's something like five to twenty thousand people here. I'm sure that more people had a bit of food in their backpack. In Mark's account. Mark chapter 6, it says that the, that the disciples have gone around the crowd. They've gone to find out how much bread they can find. And, and all they come back with is five loaves, five loaves, panini, and two fish. 
I just really like these, so I want to keep showing you the fish. <laughs> That's all they come back with. And I reckon, I mean, you know, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but I reckon that there was more people in that crowd that had food. But it was only this boy, it's only this boy, he's the only one who is ready to give up what he has. He sacrifices his food not knowing what's going to happen. And you can't feed, even, you can't feed 5,000 people with five panini. Look at it. They're too small. (laughs) And even if they were big, even if they were the biggest loaves of bread, you know, it's not going to make any difference. You can't feed 5,000 men, and men are hungry, with five loaves, let alone 10 or 20,000 people. But this, this is what I think is mustard seed, this is mustard seed size faith. And a mountain is about to be moved. So let's keep reading. Oh, this is good, isn't it? Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. All right, so if you've got 5,000 people, groups of 50, that's 100 groups, 20,000, a few more groups. So all the people sat down. Jesus took the five loaves of bread and two fish, looked towards heaven. Okay, I'm going to enact it. Took the loaves of bread and the fish, which are on the lectern there. Looks towards heaven and blessed them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, my Father, for the loaves. Thank you for this boy that's given me the loaves. Then... And then he starts breaking the loaves into pieces, and he kept giving the bread and fish, right, fish, to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. And they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. <laughs> so the young boy, I'm going to drop a mic for a sec, I'm just going to yell. You ready? The young boy brings a small amount of food, 5,000. And he, get, and he gives it to the disciples who give it to Jesus, who blesses it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You bless me with five loaves. I need a bit more. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And he begins breaking it off and giving it away. Like this. Fish, I'm not going to rip these up. <laughs> these are precious. Oh. But, but that's not what happens. 
Hey, I've run out of bread. This is not what happens. Jesus just keeps breaking it off and keeps giving it away and giving it away and giving it away. It gives away. Everybody has enough to eat. So it wasn't even small bits. Everybody has enough to eat. Need some water. Everybody has enough to eat. So Elena and I, Elena who drew these fish, she's six and a half, and we were talking about this story a little while ago. Um, it really struck me as I was reading it one morning, and, and I said to Elena, I said, oh, do you think that Jesus needed that boy's food to feed everybody? And we talked about it a bit, and she's like, no, I don't think he did. Because Jesus is God. We had, you know, when we had communion this, this bit before, I, I talked about, hey, Jesus, he's, he calls himself the bread of life, which is also in John 6, you know, same chapter. He's the bread of life. He could have, he could have fed, he could have fed all these people any which way he wanted. <laughs> he could have like turned a stone into a pack and say, <laughs> <laughs> he could have fed any, everyone however he wanted to. But instead he receives the small boy's gift and he, and he honors it. Thank you, Lord. You know, he blesses it, and, and it just and it multiplies. And so we thought, uh, how do you think that boy felt when his bread, when his lunch, it was probably not lunch, probably his dinner, when his dinner fed everybody? <laughs> how stoked would you be? Like, oh, you're eating my bread. <laughs> that's, that's the fish I caught a week ago. <laughs> oh, one wife didn't want to eat that. The fridge is broken. Uh, but how do you think that boy felt? He felt awesome. He's just fed 20,000, he's fed all of Petoni. <laughs> he's fed everybody. There's an old quote uh, attributed to St. Augustine. It says this, without God, we cannot. Without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. See, God, God invites us into, into a partnership. And, and it's, it's, it's incredible. This is incredible. And so we, we bring what we can. We bring what we can of ourselves. And, and he, brings, we, he brings who he is and what he has. And we're talking about God here. <laughs> he has a lot. Faith, faith is trusting in who God is, what God can do, and that God, that God, is, with, that God is with us. God is Jesus. God is the Father. God is the Holy Spirit. God is the, the creator. God is the sustainer. God is the life giver. God is the provider. God is the eternal and infinite one. God is love. God is with us. Jesus says to his disciples before he, he ascended, he said, I'll, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. God is with us. God is so close that he can he can even hear our whispered prayers in the middle of the night. He's so close to us. And so we, so I want to think about this boy. He doesn't get a lot of attention. Also, I should do an asterisk. It doesn't talk about the boy in Luke. It talks about the boy in John, John chapter 6. I want to talk about that boy. Everyone is looking around, that huge crowd of hungry people. And I think they're all, I reckon they're all thinking the same thing. I don't have enough. All these people are hungry, and I don't have enough. Whatever food I have in my bag, it's not going to make any difference. It's not going to make any difference anyway for all these people. It's a, it's a drop in the ocean. 
But, but this boy, you know, he sees things, he somehow sees things differently. And he's looking at his food. Oh, it's all gone. Thanks, guys, you ate my bread. Anyway, he's looking at his food, and he's thinking, he's thinking, okay, these are my words. You can read it any way you want. He's thinking, yeah, man, <laughs> like, my Kai, my Kai is going to make a difference. Matthew 18, verse 3, Jesus said, we should become like children to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Children have a way of understanding Jesus and a, and a faith in what he can do. They, they, simply, they, simply trust, they simply trust him. So, so we should aspire to be like children. They simply trust him. So, you know, what's going on, what's going on in your life? What's going on in your life? What's going on in, the, in your family or in your community? The, the story of the boy oppressed by an evil spirit and then healed and set free, from, set free by Jesus. The story of the boy whose who's kai fed more than 5,000 people as Jesus multiplied it. Are they, are they speaking to anything that's going on for you? Many many of us probably feel like we don't we don't have enough. That's how I started, you know. Many of us probably feel like we don't have enough, or we can't do enough, or we might feel we simply aren't enough. We might see we might see problems, we might see uh, issues, difficulties, struggles. They might be things that are in our in our own lives. They might be in the lives of people we love. They might be in the in the neighborhood or the community that we're part of. They might be in society, in society. And we think we can't. We can't. We can't make a difference. We just can't. There's nothing we can do. There's a story of a, of a man who uh, had, was, was crippled. He couldn't walk. For 38 years he couldn't walk. And he's sitting by, sitting by this pool called uh, Bethesda. And he was sitting by this pool because the tradition was that uh, when the waters rippled, it was actually an angel steering the water. And the first person into that water would be healed. And so he's waiting by the pool to be healed, but he's, he can't get in. He's crippled. His legs don't work. And so everybody would get in before him, and then you'd miss out. And then, and then Jesus turns up, and, and uh, Jesus notices this man who's been waiting there a long time, and, and he says, um, do you want to be healed? And the man says, I can't. I can't. It's the truth. I can't. I can't get in the water. He said, I can't get, I can't get in. Everybody's getting in before me. <laughs> and then, Jesus, then Jesus is like, oh, mate, there we go. He says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And this is what happens. The man's healed. So with Jesus, something else happens. On our own, there's nothing we can do. So there could be, there could be a mountain in your own life that's, improved, that's proving impossible to overcome. Even though you try and you try and you try and you try and you keep trying, or or maybe 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 you feel like God's actually called you to do something, and it's and it's exciting and it's wonderful, but it's actually way too big. It's a big what do they call it? A big hairy audacious whatever goal, BHAG. It's too big. Is that right? Big hairy? Yeah, it is hairy. Well, why is it hairy? Yeah. 
Maybe God feel, maybe feel like God's actually called you to do something so big, but it's actually too big. Or maybe you can relate to the disciples who, who, uh, who've been unable to set the boy free from an evil spirit, who are looking at the crowds of people and wondering, how the heck are we going to feed all these people? And there's two things. There's two things that we might be tempted to do, two tracks that we might be tempted to go down. The first one is we, we just simply give up. We go, whoop, it's too big. The mountain's too big. This is, this is too impossible. <laughs> you know, you get impossible, but then there's too impossible, which is like, mm, impossible. <laughs> there's, there's no point trying. There's no point trying. And we retreat and we lose hope and we might pray occasionally, oh, Lord Jesus, you know, do what you can for that person over there, but it's probably not gonna happen anyway, so just do whatever you want. Your ways are mysterious and all that. That's one, that's one temptation. We just give up. Or two, two is the opposite. We try harder. <laughs> we try harder. We keep pushing and we, and we keep trying and we use all the effort that we can possibly muster to make it happen. Ooh, pulling every string we can, like networking, like hyping people up. Come on, church, you know, whatever. It's, you know, there's that old uh, quote, if it's gonna be, it's up to me. Yes. <laughs> you try harder. You're probably gonna give yourself a hernia doing that. But and there's a third way, yes, there's a third way. And it's, and it's the, the way of a partnership with God. It says in 1 Corinthians 9, he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He has invited you into partnership with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Me and God. God and me. <laughs> me and God. God and me. Walk, like walking with Him, journeying Him with Him, partnering with Him. In John 5, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He only does what He sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. So even Jesus didn't do things on his own. He, he, partnered, he partnered with the boy taking his bread. He's partnering with the father. And, and he shows us the way, and, it, and it's to journey with him. It's to walk hand in hand with him. And sometimes, sometimes the changes that we're hoping for, like all the mountains that we're hoping will move, sometimes that happens quickly. I've heard of, I heard of people that have been set free from, from, from addictions or from, from alcoholism at the same time as they've become believers. You know, and it happened, the mountain has shifted just like that. But for others, it takes much, much longer, and it might even take a lifetime. But each step along the way is like hand in hand. You know, hand in hand, Lord, give me strength. Lord, I'm, my, my thoughts are going in directions I don't want them to go. Lord, help me in this, help me. Help me to walk in purity. Lord, help me to let go of, of whatever it is that I'm, I'm clinging on to. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming obsessed um, with, with whatever it is that I, that I want or need. A TV. No, it's a guitar, to be honest. Lord, I'm becoming obsessed with guitars. <laughs> Help me, Lord. Help me not to worship other things. Right, Each step, hand in hand. And shoulder to shoulder. This is cool. Shoulder to shoulder with the lover of your soul. This is what Jesus says. Oh, come on. Come on. Give it to me. Give it to me. This is what Jesus says. This is dramatic pause. Can you go to the next slide? Yeah. <laughs> he says this. <sighs> Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, 
who have been trying and trying and trying and trying and trying, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Oh, you might not be able to see that very well. There's two uh, oxen, a pair of oxen. And, and on their backs, across their shoulders, is what's called, what's called a yoke. The yoke is, yoke is the device that, that sits across their shoulders so they can work together as a team. As they, as they pull a plow through fields or as they pull a cart. And Jesus is inviting us to be in partnership with him. It's, an, it's, an, it's a crazy picture. It's a crazy thing to think about, to be yoked with him. Jesus, me. Jesus, Ben Moody. Jesus, Matthew Butel. Right? Yoked together. You're like, Jesus is God, okay? <laughs> Yoked with God. And you see these two, these two oxens. They're working together. You don't have one oxen that's like supersized, that's like dragging the other one along. They're actually working together. They're in partnership. Jesus, that boy with five loaves and fishes. Five loaves and two fishes. Jesus, and my boy Eli. <laughs> Imagine, imagine what we could do all of a sudden. Like you have this picture. Imagine. We've got, we've got, we're yoked with Jesus. We're yoked with God. Imagine what we could do. Is, is anything impossible now? 5,000 hungry people. Wow. I'm yoked with Jesus. My five paninis are going to feed everybody. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Work with him. Imagine what we could do. So this means that like no matter how big or small, Big like me. <laughs> no, I'm not that big. I was just joking. Uh, big, you know, no matter how big or small, no matter how powerful or weak, no matter how rich or poor, no matter how capable or unqualified, no matter how old or young we, we think we are, we bring, our, we bring our small bit, our five loaves of bread, our two fish, we bring our mustard seed bit of faith. And I reckon that that mustard seed faith is, is more to do with, with almost like this relationship, like seeing what our relationship with God really is. Our mustard seed size of faith, and then Jesus, Jesus kind of uses it. And, and isn't this amazing? He, like, he, he, honor, he honors us so much. And he's like, yes, I'm, I'm taking what you bring, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use what you bring. I'm going to move mountains. As I, as, I was like preparing, as I was preparing this message and thinking about it, I really want to encourage uh, the, like the youth in our, in, our, in our church. The youth, or, or even, even younger. I mean, these, these two boys in these stories were younger than 13. I want to encourage the youth and the younger ones today because I want you to know that you, God has already given gifts that you can use to, to bless others. And I want to encourage you. <laughs> I want to call you out, actually, in a really positive way. I want to encourage you to try things out. 
you know, one, one thing might be to, to pray for people. Praying, praying for people is not for the old people. It's not for the people at the front. It's for all of us. And when young people, when especially children, and they come and they come and pray, they have faith. <laughs> they have faith because you see Jesus. You see Jesus like, you know, that ox sees the other ox. He goes, oh, yeah, we're right here. We're yoked together. Me and Jesus, God and me. You can pray for people. You can lead and you can let the light of Jesus radiate out of you. I want to encourage you. I also want to encourage us as a church. We, we're not a big church, right? <laughs> but we're in a city, we're in a, in a community, in a nation with, with big needs. And we can see the mountains. I mean, we're in Wellington and we look, look around all the different hills. We can see the mountains. They are literal mountains. We can see the, figure, you know, we can see the figurative mountains. We see the mountains, the issues, the struggles, the needs. And we go, oh, but, I, but my lunch is not enough. And I think that the Lord wants to shift our thinking to be like that boy in, in his basket of love. He wants, I think the Lord wants to like lift the cap off our thinking. And so we might, and so we might begin like taking, taking small steps on our own. Like, you know, you take small steps, but you're not on your own. <laughs> Yoked with Jesus. And with Jesus, they, they, become, they become giant leaps and mountains can move. Well, shall we stand then? And we can stand together. I hide here under your shade. I'm held here, covered by grace. As you call me your own, my beloved, you are mine, you are mine, you are